Hi, and welcome to Alchemy of Genres. This is Selena from the South Brunswick Public Library. And this topic is the best of 2021 for teens, uh, teen books to be specific. I might not be a teen, maybe you're not a teen, but you might read teen books. Uh, these are my picks, not necessarily those that will agree with the main contributors and decision makers in the world. And these are also based on things that I have read this year. So they may be a smidge older. I did include some things that I read in late December of last year because I feel like that still counts. It's within the year and it seemed rather arbitrary. There was a couple of things that happened right at the end of last year. I count them because it's my podcast and I can do that. So there you go. Anyway, let's jump right into this. I wanted to give you a heads up really quick. We are not posting any podcasts for January. I'm taking a break and reading and getting caught up and starting in February. I will be doing one podcast a month, one for teens, and then another month would be one for adults or two in a row for adults, but it'll be clearly labeled and they will just be the best books I have read that month. So there might be a short one of a couple titles, there might be a longer one of several titles, and I may post one for teen and one for adult if I have enough content. If not, then it'll just be one for the month that will be one or the other, and they'll be clearly marked on the intro part. Anyway, thank you for listening, sorry for the long intro, and let's get started. The first book is by Nisha Sharma. It's Arada and Jay's Recipe for Romance. This is a fun, sweet romance. It follows Rada and Jay through senior year at a performing arts high school. The majority of the focus isn't really on the romance, which I kind of liked. It's on their journey to separate and find their dreams from what is expected of them from their families or what they believe is expected of them from their families because sometimes what we think they want and what they actually want aren't necessarily the same thing. So I really liked the deep character building Sharma did here in this book. It made a nice simple teen romance into something a little deeper and more meaningful and I highly recommend it. Tonight We Rule the World by Zach Smedley. Smedley tackles the topic of sexual assault from a male perspective as the victim and not as the abuser. Um, this relationship is shown both in flashbacks and in the current crisis as his life becomes more complicated after a friend reports the assault that he was never going to report. Smedley also does a very nice parallel journey of Owen, who's the teen who was assaulted, his father who needs help with PTSD, his journey towards acknowledging his toxic and abusive relationship for Owen, as well as his father's journey to acknowledging his own toxicity and, and needing help to deal with his father-son relationship and PTSD and trauma that he has himself had to deal with. I really recommend this book because it 
shows the importance of consent and the acknowledgement that toxicity in a relationship is bad for everyone. And yes, an assault can happen on a male from a female if the female is not listening when someone says stop. So it is not an explicit book in case you're worried, but it does explicitly talk about toxicity and abuse and how that can escalate without you acknowledging it. So I highly recommend that one. The next one is A Complicated Love Story Set in Space by Sean David Hutchinson. I really love this book so much. When Noah closes his eyes on Earth and wakes up in a spaceship about to explode, he's pretty sure things can't get weirder. Boy, is he wrong. Trapped aboard the ship are also DJ and Jenny, neither of whom remember how they got there either. Together they face all the dangers of space, along with murder, aliens, a school dance, and one really, really bad day. But none of this can prepare Noah for his biggest challenge, which is falling in love. And love is complicated enough without also trying to stay alive in space when you don't know what you're doing. I really love this book. It plays with expectations. You think you know what's happening and it twists again. It was it was just a really complicated love story set in space and there's humor and there's action and and it was just total fun. Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. Yadriel has summoned a ghost and now he can't get rid of him. When his traditional Latinx family has problems accepting his gender, Yadriel becomes determined to prove himself a real brujo, which is a male witch. With the help of his cousin and best friend Maritza, he performs the ritual by himself with her and then sets out to find the ghost of his murdered cousin and set it free. This is the part of the ritual that a brujo follows. A bruja, a female witch, has completely different powers and a completely different expectation set. And Yadriel is transgender and struggling to find acceptance in his community, just to clarify. The ghost that Yadriel summons, however, is actually Julian Diaz, and Julian is not about to go quietly into that good night of death. He is determined to find out what happened and to exact justice. Yadriel agrees to help. He doesn't really have much of a choice. Darkness in this book is in the form of witchcraft, ghost, Santa Muerte, which is a deity of death, there's transgender bias discover, discovered and talked about, uh, Latin culture, family acceptance, but ultimately it's about trying to follow your heart and believing that you can do what you want to do regardless of what society says you're allowed to do as far as like gender expectations and and roles in society. I really like that book. It was an interesting, creepy, dark story, but also a hopeful and loving story. And I highly recommend it. Moving on, 
Muted by Tammy Charles. Muted is a very dark story of a man with power, charisma, and connections using young girls for their talent and drive and ultimately destroying them. I read this when I was doing my poetry unit and it was really well done based in real life events of people who take advantage of and um, promise many things to young girls who are trying to make it in the entertainment industry and then ultimately leave them broken and sometimes dead. So this is a really good read. It's really quick because it's uh, in poetry format, exposes some of the things that happen in entertainment, makes you think, and um, really shows the strength of the main character as she is determined to speak and not be muted. Chlorine Sky by Mahogany Brown is another one of those books I read when I was doing my poetry unit. Sky is struggling with the fact that her best friend Laylee has deserted her over a guy, as well as the fact that she doesn't fit in anywhere except on the basketball court. She and her sister hate each other. There's family issues about proper gender roles and not conforming to them. It's a touching story of a girl finding her strength and the willingness to fight to just be herself and not what everybody tells her she has to do. There is no proper way to be a girl. You can just be. And I really, I thought it was a touching and heartfelt story. Poet X, Elizabeth Acevedo, is another one. This one won a ton of awards, but I also read it during the Poetry Month one, and it touched me. Oh, so I'm including it here. Siomara feels unheard and stifled due to her mother's fierce focus on religion and also the cultural norms of the limitations of being female. Somehow she just is a sin, a vessel for evil. She needs to be passive and spiritual and wait for a man to marry her, protect her, and father her children. Siomara is a fighter and not at all good at passivity. Her questions in religious classes land her in even more trouble, as does her blossoming a relationship with Oman. In Poetry Club, she finds a way to give voice to her frustrations, her emotions, and her questions. And in sharing her poetry, she finds the strength to speak her truth. This is a really powerful story of a girl struggling against many issues. And while it's not an easy story, it is very highly recommended and has deservedly won many awards. Definitely one of my top picks for the year. Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Koram. Darius doesn't ever think that he'll be enough. He knows he's a disappointment to his dad because he's not good at the things his father values. He doesn't speak Farsi as well as his younger sister, so he disappoints, or he at least feels he does, his mother's family. His mother ended up speaking it more with his younger sister than with him when he was young, so he just never learned it as well and he feels like it's his fault somehow even though he had no say in whether his mom decided to teach him Farsi as a child or not. He has clinical depression for which he takes medication as does his father but it means that sometimes things get to him and no one seems to understand that not even his father. Now they are going to Iran because his mother's father is dying 
And while he is frightened, he will mess everything up. He is excited to meet this part of the family that he's never met before. His grandfather's neighbor has a son who speaks English, who becomes his friend and interpreter, showing him around and explaining things. And somehow, Darius is more confident in this country that he's never been to, and he wishes he could find a way to bring this confidence home. He also needs to find a way to reconnect with his father, but it seems that his father doesn't want him around at all. He has even started watching Star Trek with his younger sister, and that was literally the only thing left that was just his and his father's. The story is so touching, with a believable character struggling to find himself, to express himself, and to just be. The information about depression explains what it is, and the issues that he has with various family members on whether it's a real disease. Not his immediate family, but the um, extended family in Iran. But the main story isn't about his depression. It's about his growth and his discovery and his fight to just be himself and to speak up for himself. And I love that the character found himself in a place outside of his comfort zone and away from everyone he knew. But that was where he found himself the most around this extended family that had never met himself met him before and he in that environment somehow found himself at peace and welcome to be himself there I found that fascinating and really well done so uh really recommend it and there's a second one that I really need to read and I still haven't so hopefully next year uh, next book is by Kristen O'Neill. It's called Lycanthropy and Other Chronic Illnesses. Priya has Lyme disease. Bridget has a mystery illness that turns out to be lycanthropy, which is what turns you into a werewolf. Um, or which qualifies you as a werewolf? Eh, whatever. Through an online support group, the two of them and the other members of the group are all attempting to make sense of life with their individual illnesses and what, if any, changes to their futures and dreams are happening due to the reality of living with their illness. Priya really wants to help Bridget, and the more involved with her life she gets, the more she realizes that no one's issues are simple and that her own issues aren't going away if she ignores them. This book surprised me a lot with its breezy formatting while delving into deep issues. Yeah, lycanthropy might not be real, but the what-if portion of it and the interpersonal dynamics read beautifully true to life. It's a great book, not only because it's a good story, but because it makes you think differently about those living with chronic illness and the perceptions people have of them and their limitations and what they're allowed and not allowed to do and be and have. So I think it is awesome and I am happy that it's on my list that I read it this year. I wasn't sure I wanted to. It's got a really terrible cover to be honest. The Extraordinaries and Flashfire by TJ Klune both of which came out this year. Um, I preferred Extraordinaries. Um, I think actually Extraordinaries came out in 2020, but I read them both this year. So anyway, uh, Nick has some issues and he knows this. The biggest issue is that Nick needs to be an Extraordinary 
which is another word for superhero. He needs to be able to save people like his mom, who died in a bank robbery, or like his dad, who's a cop and works too hard in a dangerous job and is the only parent Nick has left. I really love both of these books. I preferred the first one over the second one, but they both are equally sweet and powerful. There's moments of realism and deep emotional connections about who are superheroes or extraordinaries, what makes them that way, and why they're important, along with just being a teenager, being gay, being um, anxious, and having um, issues. He has ADHD, which he takes medication for, and he, Clune, goes over how these different factors affect Nick's life and his decisions and also just his own personality being what it is and how he can be oblivious to what's right in front of his face while paying attention to the little thing in the corner that's bothering him from his ADHD. There are also really funny books, which Clune is great at bringing in these moments of humor that will make you laugh and then spiking it with a, a powerful moment that will make you almost cry. So I really enjoyed these. Yes, they're superhero books, but they're also books about growing and grief and falling in love and being a teenager and defying expectations and trying to figure out what you want to be in your life and all of those growing issues that we have. It's really well done and I highly recommend it. The next book is called Camp by L.C. Rosen. 16-year-old Randy loves summers at Camp Outland, which is a camp for queer teens. He also has a crush on Hudson, and he has for years, but Hudson only likes straight or straight-like masculine guys. He doesn't like artsy, fartsy boys who wear nail polish and sing and dance in the plays. So this summer, Randy decides he is going to be the guy that Hudson likes. But the longer it goes on, the more he questions. If he is hiding who he is, does Hudson really like him or just like who he's pretending to be? I really enjoyed this thoughtful book about being true to yourself and also examining some of the biases in the gay community against various typecasting of typecasting sounds like it's like not a real thing but it is a real thing that sometimes the perception and the patriarchy and misogyny makes people decide that they shouldn't or couldn't or won't like a person who exhibits character traits that are too gay or too female or too male or too much or even too camp, which is sort of a double entendre with it's about a camp, but it's also about being camp and theater and wearing makeup if you want to or not if you don't want to. And it's a little simplistic. But it all happens in one summer, so Rosen has to sort of squish it all in there. And he also gives a little bit of a 
moment when Hudson is examining his own biases and what he's allowed to be with his family and what is safe for him to be in order to keep his home, which is sad that in 2021, almost 2022, we have to still think about that. But there are many teens whose homes are not safe for them to come out into. So if you are one of those, then find those safe places that you can express yourself, but also keep yourself safe so that you um, have a place to live and food to eat and you can finish school and move on to your own life in whatever way you want it to be. And so I really enjoyed the book. It's a, it's not it's not as heavy as I just made it sound. It's a fun book, but it has those deep moments that unfortunately are part of our life in these United States. Um, I have a graphic novel, Flamer, which is set in the 90s at a Boy Scout camp where a young man realizes his sexuality and faces losing his last bastion of hope and normalcy because he loves the Boy Scouts, but real Scouts can't be gay. And for an already struggling and ostracized boy, the thought of losing that last link brings darkness and despair. This book is a look at anti-gay biases, homophobia, and toxic masculinity in the guise of boys being boys, and all from the viewpoint of a lost and hurting 12-year-old boy. It's a hard read because the imagery and the despair are palpable but I really encourage you to do so because it was so well done and I really feel like it's an important read and whether or not you identify as LGBTQIA or not I think it's important to recognize those issues and 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 just recognize, I mean, you know, recognize it, see it for what it is, and then maybe try to make the world better for the next generation. Moving on. Do You Dream of Terra 2 by Tammy O. In this alternate Earth science fiction story, we have already figured out space travel, visited Mars, and started to explore further out, even before the 1980s. So this is what it is. When an Earth-like planet is found, it's decided to form an exploration mission to look into the planet and start getting it set up for human habitation so as to relieve the population issues, the ozone, the trash, all of those issues that we are now even currently facing. Great Britain won the rights to send the first flight and they set up a contest to select six teens and they've already selected the four adults to go on this 23-year mission to this planet that they've named Terra 2. The book jumps back and forth between the process of the selection and all that goes with it, and and all the things that have happened in this 10-year period leading up to the flight, and also the first year of the flight itself. So it's going back and forth. You've got the history of what they've gone through, what they've been through, and also what they are currently going through on this actual mission out in space. Story is told in all six voices of the teens and the adults as they recount their worries, issues, difficulties, 
stressors being trapped in a spaceship with the others for the foreseeable future. 23 years is a very long time. It's a fast, exciting read, jumping around to see everyone's point of view. It's done very well, and it adds to the heightened sense of peril and worry. And I just, I read it in a big, mad gulp because it was just so well done. I highly recommend it. And last but not least is Heartstopper, books two and three. I read book one in... 2020 at some point but I read two and three in 2021 and book four is coming out in 2022 and I can't wait um this is by Alice Oseman and Heartstopper just keeps being so good she's building on this relationship between two boys who are falling in love the one knew he was gay at the beginning the second is becoming aware of the fact that he identifies as gay because he's falling in love and Charlie is the out and proud and, and ha- a history of a, being bullied at school for his um, sexual orientation. Nick is uh, not popular, but he's not unpopular. He's just, he's an athlete, he's a nice guy, and he's falling in love with Char- Charlie. The story could be set anywhere, but it is set in Britain. So a few moments happen in book two or three, I forget. I think it's three when they're off to France for a school trip. Um, But it's a really sweet story and watching their relationship build and watching them discover just life as a couple and the adjustments that they make and meeting other couples and doing couple-y things. And so sweet and so well done. And I highly recommend it. And that is it for me for the year. Those were my picks for best books. And I will continue to read and enjoy. And I hope you do as well. Feel free to follow the podcast and or the blog, which I also post. And I hope to hear from you soon. Thank you and have a happy new year and support your public libraries. Goodbye.